I want to speak this morning about this baby in a manger who is the sovereign Lord, the one who held the stars in place. And so let's just ask the Lord to bless our time together around his word and to open our minds and our hearts to what he has to say. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, may you convict us in our hearts, not just of the sinners that we are, but Lord, may you convict us about who you are, the sovereign God of the universe, the one who sent his only begotten son, the apple of his eye, to come to this earth to make a way back to you for us. May we remember the Christ of Christmas. And may we do so in practice, Lord. May we do so during the week as we get stuck into the busyness of this period of the year. May we not forget Christ. Speak to us now. May your Spirit do your work among us, we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to two passages I just want to highlight a bit this morning. And the first one is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17, we'll be reading, but specifically verses 16 to 17. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. The whole passage is speaking about Jesus Christ, who He is, and we're going to come into the middle of it here. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Let's just look at that phrase again. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, that's the same Jesus Christ, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. Now, let's not look at the, forget this phrase. And in Him all things hold together. We're going to come back to that. Remember that. Now, Psalm, the book of Psalms, 107. Psalm 107. This is the effect that Jesus Christ had on this earth. Yes, I know it's in the Old Testament. But it was prophesied. And we'll come to that as well. But Psalm 107. And we're going to be reading verses 1 to 3 and then verses 9 to 16. And it's a long psalm, so I'm picking out specific sections of it to highlight. Psalm 107, verse 1 to 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Now jump to verse 9. For He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul He fills with good things. 
Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. For He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men. For He shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Is that the story of your life? Were you in that place? And then Jesus met with you. Well, that's the result of Christmas. So, as we come to this time of year, we uh, on TV see all those same stories you seem to get over and over, right? Christmas story, the Polar Express, Elf, Santa Claus, a Christmas carol. What would a Christmas be like without a Christmas carol? Charles Dickens. And White Christmas is another one of the movies often shown now. And in the midst of our chaotic, frenzied and confused time of the world now, these can be a welcome distraction, if only a distraction. And where would we be without Scrooge buying that fat duck for that family who needs? Kind of makes you feel good, right? But they all fall far short of that greatest story of all. That God himself was born as a human to save us. In a similar way, we get these sentimental feelings when we hear, Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? Na, 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 na. But nothing will comfort and encourage us more than singing about the Word made flesh, as we've just done. Because we're singing truth. It's not just sentimentalism. You see, the world is caught up in sentim sentimentalism now at Christmas. The true message of Christmas is being pushed out by sentimentalism and feel good. That's what it's all about. It's a reality that we will never get, fully get to grips with. The true story of Christmas and the true truth that it brings to us, even though we sing a million Christmas carols, if we don't think through what we're singing. You see, this is a great mystery that has been revealed to us. But it's a mystery really worth trying to get to grips with. And so, we're going to look at a few aspects of this mystery that God has revealed to us at Christmas. Firstly, we're going to look at His unexpected arrival. I qualify that statement. Even though few noticed His birth because it was crowded in Bethlehem, many people were there. Basically, only the shepherds were told by the angels, except for Mary and Joseph. But most people didn't even notice another baby being born. But Jesus didn't appear without warning. His coming was foretold centuries before. And this Psalm 107 is one of those prophecies about the coming Messiah. So we were warned about His coming, but... When he came, it was unexpected. 
You see, the problem was, he just wasn't the king we as humans expected. He didn't come with kingly announcements. He didn't come with a kingly entrance. He entered our world through a virgin, that was unexpected, whose very body was fashioned by the baby she was about to deliver. Think about that. Jesus came not as the king we would have thought in splendor, glory and triumph, but he came as a helpless baby, sustained and nourished by an exhausted teenage girl. There was no team of nursemaids. Mary had to look after him. And he came unexpectedly to us, but just at the right time, in God's perfect timing and in God's calendar. So he caught us unexpectedly. But when he came, he brought hope with him. You see, the shepherds were understandably rattled when they saw the angels, right? They were the lowliest forms of what you could do in society of that day. If you couldn't do anything else, you became a shepherd. And they were rattled when they saw the angels and this announcement came to them. Why? Because generally... You died after you'd seen an angel because they represented God. Or something dramatic was really about to happen to you and it usually wasn't good. But the shepherds saw these angels on the night Jesus was born and, as old King James put it, they were sore afraid. Now that word sore is the most extreme word for extreme. They were extremely afraid. Extreme. You see, it would be the first time they'd seen angels singing in a star-filled sky. It didn't happen often. And the glory of that sight would soon be surpassed when they saw the Son of God wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, according to Luke 2. And God must have given them insight and the very presence of Jesus Christ. He must have spoken to them in some way. This is God with man. And these shepherds understood and in the midst of all those animals and the noxious filth of a stable, and of a world unaware that hope had burst the bonds of despair, the Saviour of the world had come. And He had brought hope. And what is this hope that He brought with Him? It's, it's more than just God with us. What is it? What did it mean for God to come to us? How far did Jesus have to go? If you've ever travelled overseas to a foreign country where you can't understand anything around you, not even the signage, that was just a little inclination. Everything's new. The language, the landscapes, the customs, the money, the culture, everything. Now, take that feeling that you've got and multiply that by millions. What must it have been like for the Son of God when he arrived on this earth as a baby. You see, the infinite became an infant. Just think of that. The infinite God confined himself to a little baby. That's the first time for God. The all-knowing one became a babbling baby. Think of that. 
Jesus wasn't born and said, Good morning, mother, I am born. He was just a baby. But think of this. The all-knowing God became a baby who couldn't even speak properly. He was making gurgling sounds. That blows my mind. As one song put it, the author climbed inside the page of the story. God came to us because we would never have come to Him. Why? Because we are sinners by birth. We are in rebellion against God. We would never have come to God. But God came to us. In other words, we could never have come to Him in the first place. We could never have come. Because sin separated us from God. God had to come to us. He had to become not just with us, but He had to become one of us. This is amazing mystery that we're trying to simplify into a few terms and phrases. You see, Jesus was not, the, was not only Emmanuel, God with us, He was us. God was made low so that He could raise us up to eternal life and to eternal joy. Think of that. The eternal God was made low so that He could raise us up. Now we get to the stuff that's really blown my mind this year. He, that is Jesus, was sleeping in His mother's arms and yet He was sovereign God. You see, when Jesus became a baby, He lost nothing of His Godness. He was truly God and truly man in one little person. Even as He slept soundly as a human, this is what blows my mind, even as a little baby was sleeping in Mary's arms or in that crib, He was holding the universe together as God. Because what does Scripture teach us? He is the one who upholds the universe. In Him, everything and everything have their being. Now think about that. There's that little baby who, as he was going through the process of birth, was holding the universe in place as well. That just blew my mind. Maybe just in a fresh way for me this year. You see, it's a source of unending wonder that the God who brought the universe into being clothed Himself in our skin. And more precisely, He added human nature to His deity. To His Godness. He had never been man before. God added that to His nature. These are amazing things. And God is great not merely because He is sovereign and exalted above His creation, but because in unspeakable humility He became a part of His own creation. Anyone get that? And that's not all. You see, there's more. As Jesus came, He was fulfilling His promises to mankind. For centuries, people had been 
hearing that the Son of God was going to come, the Messiah. In our modern day today, they've been trying to deafen that prophecy by happy holidays, turning everything into feel-good. For centuries, people have tried to make Christmas into a charming children's story because they want to inspire us to be kinder. They want to inspire us to be more peaceful and maybe even more loving. John Lennon said, War is over if you want it. You see, that whole feeling of when the war was over, World War II, people got together in the streets and hugged each other and there was love. He said, it's available for you if you want it. But Christmas actually says the opposite to us. Christmas confronts us with a brutal fact that we can never be kind, peaceful and loving. We can't do it on our own. We can go through the motions of it, the superficial levels of kindness and love and peace, but we can never really in our hearts be kind and peaceful and loving. Why? Because God has to do it in us. You see, on our own, we were given paradise and mankind chose anarchy against God. We chose war against God. And that is the state we are with God, is we are in a state of war unless God intervenes. And unless God comes into our hearts and changes our hearts to put love there, His love, instead of enmity with Him. He has to do it. He has to act. And that's why God did act. And He sent His only Son to this earth. At this time that we remember, God had promised right throughout His revelation to man that the head of the serpent would be crushed by the future offspring who would come. Way back in Genesis, He had promised a wandering Abraham that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him and his offspring and who would come from the family of Abraham, the Messiah, Mashiach. And later He promised King David that the throne of his kingdom would be established forever in Second Samuel. And who came from David's line? The Messiah. And all this, would come to pass because God's suffering servant, as we heard this morning, would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, according to Isaiah 53. And this also came about through the same Jesus Christ. And these and thousands of other promises came true that first Christmas when that baby was born. And these promises that came true assure us that God will keep every other promise to us in His Word. So there's a future looking as well. You see, God has made many more promises. He has said to us that I will save anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. That remains true as well. Why? Because Jesus was born and He grew up and He died and He was resurrected and He went to be with the Father. He is the Savior and therefore He can save any who call on His name. That's a promise. He has promised that He will make sure in His perfect time that you and I look like His Son, Romans chapter 8. That's another promise we look forward to. I really look forward to that promise. 
Because I know my life. And I know the great work He still has to do. What's another promise? He will cause all things in our lives to work together for good. Romans chapter 8. And you might think of this past year and you might think, well, Calvin, I don't know how God's going to do that because I've had the year from hell. Actually, it's a year from heaven. Because God is sovereign. He knows your year. Because it's His year too. He knows the master picture. You only see the little puzzle fragment. God is in control. And His promises to you are that He will work everything for good. And another promise, Revelation chapter 21, one day He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. And we will see His face. If Jesus hadn't come as that baby in the manger, we would not have this promise fulfilled too. But He came. If you've noticed our entrance foyer, that little nativity scene we've got, there's no baby in that manger. There's a notice saying, He's coming again. Don't get caught up in the Satan's trick that Jesus Christ is just a little baby. And we only see Him at Christmas time when little kids pull Him out in stories and videos and in their play acting with little baby dolls. Christ is the baby who was born, but He is sovereign Lord. And He's a soon to be returning King. And so... This Christmas, enjoy the summer holidays. Yes, please. I'm not the Grinch who's stolen Christmas. Enjoy the summer holidays. If you're going to the beach, enjoy the beach. Enjoy your shopping if you can force yourself. Go tomorrow, it will quickly pass. Enjoy your family barbecues. Enjoy the get-together with your family. Because yes, we must see each other. We must enjoy this time of the year. But don't let the world's version of Christmas keep you from seeing and treasuring the greatest of all realities that God made Himself low to lift us up. Don't forget that. It is really quickly, and we do forget that. Emmanuel has come to be with us. God's promises have come true. God will do whatever He has said, including what still lies ahead for us. And so, the seemingly helpless, star-holding baby is our Savior, is our soon-to-be-returning King, is the Sovereign Lord of the universe. That's the true message of Christmas. Let's put Christmas in perspective, shall we? Have a great time together with your families. And please, if you're traveling, be safe. The holiday stats have already started, and it's not even holidays officially. There are already people dead on the roads. Please be careful. But above all, as you're interacting with your family, as you're interacting with friends, as you're interacting with members of the public, as I am with tourists coming through my doors, don't forget Jesus Christ. Where you can show them love and when they ask you why, tell them because Jesus Christ loves me. I've got to tell you about Him. Tell them about the love shown to us at Christmas time when Jesus came to be with us as sovereign God. And may God use those opportunities to expand His kingdom 
One soul at a time. He's building His kingdom until Christ reappears. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that yes, we've got this time of the year when we can specifically remember Jesus Christ coming to earth for us. But Lord, save us from the futility of only remembering Christ at Christmas. May we be reminded that You came to this earth so that we would take that message of Christ at Christmas out into the world that You've put us in. And we would take that message out for the rest of this year and the next until You reappear. That Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the Sovereign of all creation, including all of us, His creations. And He became part of that creation so that we would have a way back to You. God was made low so that we could be lifted up and see life. Thank You for the good news of Christmas. We give You praise, our Sovereign God. Amen.